So before we start the summer edition of Dirt Church Radio, we just need to tell you quickly that we are supported by the most amazing companies and clubs, Wild Things, Ultra Spire, Scott Running, and Further Faster, the best independently owned sportswear, outdoors wear, sportswear doesn't even begin to cut it in the known universe, and please go and support them this summer if you need gear, if you need the best packs, the best shoes, the best sense of community, or indeed uh, anything for outdoor use, um, these are the people, people that you need to see. True. Something like further, faster, they're in Christchurch. Rocky is hairy and so is Badger. Jules is nice and Jack is delicious. Go further, faster now. Go further, faster, they're in Christchurch. Rocky is hairy and so is Badger. Jules is nice and Jack is delicious. Go further, faster now. Church Radio. Eugene Bingham, it's 2023. Episode 228 of the Dirt Church Radio Trail Running Podcast. We made it, and we're back. I feel, frankly, not very refreshed because I worked straight through. But uh, uh, how's your summer been, bro? Well, I don't feel refreshed either because at the moment we're in a compl- we're sitting in a heat box. Uh, Auckland summer, such as it is, uh, being as hot as it is. So anyway, but yeah, summer's been great. I have, unlike you, I had tired time off from work and have been. Enjoying some running and swimming and whānau time and things. and Yeah. 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 I, but I'm, it's an exciting year ahead of us. It's an exciting year ahead of us. Um, you know, and, and we've got some bright things on the horizon. We'll talk about that later. Um, but coming up, I've got some time off and we're going to be going down to Tarawira Ultramarathon, which is super exciting. And you'll hear again more yep. of that in the next couple of weeks. Uh, we're very lucky to be on the commentary team. But this week, someone who gives great commentary, uh, Matt Bixley. <laughs> Where do we start? Someone who I've been afraid of for years. And um, no, not really afraid of. But he is a force of nature, right? He's a stalwart of the running scene. Um, oh, absolutely. Yeah, maybe yeah. I was a little bit afraid. I looked up at our live show at Kepler and he was in the front row. And I was like, oh, God. <laughs> you know, um, he got himself off the couch. He started running and he hasn't stopped. He entered Kepler, fell in love with that race, but he's also thrown himself at so much else. He's been to the famous Barclay Marathons. He's heavily involved with Rogaine. In fact, he's the world president of uh, the Rogaine Association and he loves numbers. He's a statistician by profession. Um, and what an amazing conversation with, you know, a stalwart of our sport, a great thinker and a great practitioner of the art. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've waxed lyrical about it previously, but that those few mo- spare moments, a few moments that I had with him <laughs> across the tops at um, Kepler before he disappeared like a, ugh, a ghost, gone on the downhill, um, were, were really special. And, and this conversation was as well. We loved having a chat with him and we're excited to bring it to you. Um, look, we're, we're slowly working our way back into things, so we, we won't be bringing you results and things this week, even though we know, for instance, that when you hear this, the Revenant will have just been on and no doubt has been as epically epic as it always is, no matter which way it goes, whether there's another year of no finishes or we have a year of... 20 finishes. Astonishing. Yeah, yeah, that could be a thing. Um, but, you know, we're recording this before Revenant's even started. I'll uh, re- reveal that. Um, so... 
let's just dive into this. Greatest, greatest run, run ever. ever. Greatest run ever. Greatest run ever, which is the part of the show where we ask you to write into us and tell us your greatest run ever. Doesn't have to be a race or a Mount Summit. Might just be a run around the block. Something that's sung to you for some reason. Send them in to us at dirtchurchradio at gmail.com. And this is from Chris Flack. The sun is setting. I'm deep into loop 10 of my first backyard ultra. I've made my goal of running from sunrise to sunset, but for it to really count, I have to complete this loop. I'm tired and actually come to think of it, I'm exhausted. I started running nearly nine hours ago. My hands are freezing, my ankles are sore, and I can just imagine a slow shuffle in these moments when my legs aren't both cramping. My feet feel like they're burning, and my entire body wants to give up. I look at my watch. I've just got under two kilometers to go to complete the 6.7 kilometer loop, and there is 14 minutes until the cutoff. Any other day, that would be easy, but this isn't any other day. I do some quick maths in my head. I need to run slightly quicker than seven minutes per K to get back to the start within the hour and for the loop to count. My mind drifts back to the start of the day in an attempt to block out the pain. Three, two, one, go. And like that, 180 of us move, 118 of us move forward into complete darkness. The only things visible is our breath and the small area in front of us lit up by our headlamps. The sun is not due to rise for another 30 minutes and with that, the hope that the temperature will rise as well. My mind is jolted back to the present by a sharp pain in my legs. My right leg cramps. I hit it with my fist. My left leg cramps. I hit that with my fist. I'm not sure that I've got this in me. My mind tells me to give up. Just walk. You don't need to complete this loop. No one really cares. I tell myself what I've been telling everyone else all day. Just one more loop, mate. Just one more loop. I come around a corner and then to a wide dirt path. I try to eat some chips to ease the cramping in my legs and I force myself to move forward. 12 minutes until cut off. I see another runner. He looks like he's in a lot of pain. I tell him, come on, mate. Just one more loop. He smiles gingerly back at me. I hobble over some small hills. The same very hills that I power walked with these for most of the last eight hours or so. My legs start to feel a little better. Ten minutes to go. I reach the boardwalk and try everything I can to get my legs to move faster. It's like they're stopped in time warp, not wanting to listen. There's no one else around, just me and the sound of my feet as they hit the boardwalk. Thump, 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 thump. I pass the six kilometre sign. Seven minutes to go. It's now or never. I managed to move from a shuffle to a fast walk. I know that soon that I'll be able to get a glimpse of the finish line as the track snakes back and forth. I'll be able to hear the voices just out of reach. Five minutes to go. I cross a small bridge. I can now see the finish line. I can hear the voices getting excited for the start of the next lap. These voices have no idea that I'm out there fighting the battle. I'm thinking I can do this. Both legs cramp up. I'm thinking I can't do this. I hit both of them with my fists. Four minutes to go. 400 meters to cover. I'm moving as fast as I can. I'm parallel with the finish line, hidden from view by a series of trees. Three minutes to go. 300 meters long. 300 meters long to cover. Daylight is fading. I'm making out a shape in front of me. It's another person. My legs are so excited they kick up a gear. He looks tired. I yell out, you can do it, mate. We can do it. He nods back tiredly. Two minutes. 200 meters. I approach the last corner, which then turns sharply into a gravel road. I know once I'm around that corner, there's only 100 metres to go, and very soon I'll be in full view of everyone waiting to start the next lap. I turn the corner and hit the gravel road with pace. My body has momentarily forgotten that it's been running for nearly nine hours and has finally decided that it remembers how to run. 90 seconds. 
100 meters. I might actually make it. The crowd notices my head torch coming towards them in the distance. The cheer gets louder and louder. I tell myself, come on, come on, you've got this. 60 seconds, 50 meters. I can see the giant clock as I get closer. It's pulling me into its glow. I keep running as fast as I can. I can't trust my tired eyes. I can see the finish line. I can see people's faces. They are willing me on. I look up at the large digital clock. 56 seconds left. I make one big final surge to get across the line. The crowd cheers. I raise my arms to celebrate in disbelief. I've made it with 53 seconds to spare. The crowd cheers again. I think it's for me. I look to my left and another person's just finished as well. We nod tiredly at each other. I hunch over in the corral. I'm so exhausted. I feel like crying. The whistle goes for the start of the next loop. The race director yells, just one more loop. I take a couple of steps forward and realize I'm done. I found my limits. And for now, this is it. Wow, Chris. <laughs> That's beautiful. Yeah, what a way to start uh, the year of Greatest you know, Run Evers. Man, that was killer. Yeah, that was killer. And I was thinking too, Matt, you've been on the other side of that um, so often probably. And here's a beautiful, beautiful description of what it's like, that person coming around the corner towards Absolutely. you. As you as you were standing there at the, at the, yep. the start finish area at the corral. Yep, 100%. That was that was fantastic. Right, on with the interview. As we said, Matt Bixley. Um 18th Kepler last year um, has never, you know, and, and has gone from someone who, who, who was largely sedentary to someone who finished with a five in the front. Uh, Kepler has gone on to run Barclay marathons, has, uh, like I said, road gains and, and, and just loves going long. And this is a wonderful conversation with a truly special talent and, and, and a wonderful mind and someone who we've wanted to talk to for a long time. So please enjoy this conversation with Matt Bixley. Let's go. <laughs> this could be fun. Could be. Matt Bixley <laughs> from Dunedin, not originally from Dunedin, in Dunedin. Um, welcome to Dirt Church Radio. Man, it's, it's, it's been too long. How are you doing? Oh. Long time listener, uh, first time caller. <laughs> uh, good, yeah, good. Um, uh, yeah, no, it was good. It was nice to catch up with you boys down in um, Tiano, and it was really lovely to come along to um, to the recording, to the live recording um, for the Kepler. Uh, I don't know, you guys know, the Kepler's pretty special to me, so it was really nice to see the value you guys are adding to the event. Look, that's, that's huge praise Matt and I must admit I, I got a shock when I looked up and in the second row you know and on my side of the it wasn't a stage on my side of the where I was standing there you were sitting there with your arms crossed a look of deep concentration on your face and I I I mean I wouldn't I didn't shit myself but I was like Oh my God, there's Matt Bixley. He's the Tiano guy. He's the Kepler guy. He's written about Kepler. He knows about Kepler. And yeah, it did make me sort of like, I don't know if I've had enough or done enough, but uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was pretty cool, man. So thank you. Uh, no, it was cool. Like uh, focus though. Gramps, Gramps was looking forward to his nap <laughs> afternoon nap. I'd been up at four 30. I'd just flown in from Auckland. <laughs> What what is it? Speaking of Kepler, I mean, you, you know, just I think you were so effusive in your love of I Kepler. I am. 
let's start there. What is it about that race that rings your bell? So I'm now 50. Uh, that was my 18th Kepler. Uh, back in, so that means it was back in 2004. Um, I was, like many of us have, have been, had one of these life-changing moments. Somewhere, I was a fatty. Uh, I'm five foot six and I weighed 84 kilos, so I was legit, legit fatty. Um, I was playing. I wasn't playing serious cricket anymore. I was playing fun cricket, but um, you go down that pathway <laughs> that you do with cricket. Anyway, my wife and I, we we had um, we had our son Ollie. He was he was about one, and and was heavily pregnant with Samantha. And I came home one day. And I said, I'm going to run the Kepler. This was that was April, May, April or May. I said in 2004, I said I was going to run the Kepler. She laughed at me, legitimately laughed at me, and that was fair. I couldn't run around the block. I couldn't run out the door. Um, and uh, seven months later, I ran the Kepler. I, I got some advice and things on the way. Um, I mean, we might dig into it why I started doing those things, but um, yeah, I just said one day I'm going to do it, and yeah. it changed how I am as a person, as a father, and got the family into the outdoors more. Um, and had been into the outdoors, I wasn't so much, but things it, it, it's ended up creating and opening pathways and and doors and things. For us as a family and how we've how we've lived our lives, I did this. That was that was the year of the out. Two thousand four was an out and back year because of snow, so I was always coming back for a second. I did a second and begged and um, I hated it. I begged and to never ever ever like big big hard, like big real hard. Don't let me do it. this. Is stupid. So here I am, um, eighteen years in and. I've already committed uh, to doing um, 40, so I'll be 72. And there was the bloke who's he's age 75, so I think I've actually committed now to 43. <laughs> I'm in. All in. You're committed. You're yep. a lifer. So what happened? You, you, you didn't listen to her or she didn't follow through on She didn't follow through on my <laughs> She didn't follow through. <laughs> no, it, like, I was going through, one, once I'd done that second one, hated on it. But I was, I was, I was starting to um, live the lifestyle of being more active and, and doing things. So that's 2006 and things. And I'd always had this um, fascination with um, endurance, um, human endurance. Uh, I'd read a lot, just over the years, read a lot of climbing books, Chris Bonington, Reinhold Messner, um, the works, the Transantarctic crossings, um, Ralph Fiennes, uh, Dr. Mike Stroud, um, who did all the nutrition and, and things. Uh, but I'd always had fascination with um, prisoners of war and the endurance and the things and the suffering and things that they'd, they'd gone through. Um, there's a really cool book. I've read, I've read two books, one from the English side and one from the Japanese side around the Bataan Death March. Um, through Asia and things. And they're, just, they're absolutely fascinating about how people deal with what's put in front of them and the issues and things. And, and, and for some, that manifested in me, um, like not choosing 5K, 10K, 20K. I, I, I went straight 
all in at the at the long end. Um, everybody can run a 5K. Everybody can run it. Everybody can actually run the Kepler, but um, it, it's, it was a choice. It was a choice thing. And yeah, and man. Um, <laughs> well, and then if you think about cricket, I love cricket. And I love five days of cricket. Like I love, I love an endurance thing, with no outcome. <laughs> So it, it, it is the one of the only things that can go on for five days and, and, and end in a draw. No, but imagine you've got like Ajaz Patel bowling on the fifth day uh, in the last hour after tea in Pakistan. New Zealand need five wickets. And I'm up watching it thinking, they'll do this, they'll do this, and Ajaz Patel clean them out. Love it. Hey, did did you did you have a word with with Steve about Steve Norris about not bringing Virat Kohli around, you know, down to Dunedin to say hi when he gave his stories about famous people who he had guided around Fiordland? I don't like sort of fanboy. I don't fanboy. I do fanboy. I don't fanboy. So when I played cricket, um, like, so it stems back to where where I've ended up and things. Um, dad played cricket with my, my dad was quite a good cricket player he played cricket with um, Ian Smith I was um, my brother's a very good cricket player as well and, and now coaches um, age group things um, and I was always the useless one in the family but I was good enough to play with or against um, Shane Bond and Chris Martin played with or against um, Brendan McCullum, Nathan McCullum, and um, so I played. I was probably the worst ever um, cricketer to play for University Grange for about five, for five or six or seven or eight, eight years. But I was always exposed to um, these really, really talented, um, really talented people, driven, successful in sports and 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 things like that. And so, yeah, no, no, from the so. Yeah, Virat Kohli, pretty cool, but um, I've, yeah, I, I have been lucky enough over the years um, to play with to play with those people. Brendan McCullum, I played in Brendan McCullum's first game of senior cricket. He was, I'm not a whole lot older than, I'm a little bit older than him, not a whole lot. Um, he was 14 or 15. He was playing for Kings against University of Grange. University of Grange here in Dunedin, and we had Aaron Gale. Aaron Gale played many, many years for Otago, but also played for New Zealand. This little 15-year-old rolled onto the back foot, casually pulls New Zealand bowler over over mid-wicket for six. That's the, That was the talent of the guy, just casual as, at the age of 15. He had all the skills um, and all the talent. That was That was a sight to see. Wow, what I'm, I'm really interested, Matt, in terms of, you know, there's doing one, and hating it, and thinking. <laughs> no, one was good. One was okay. One, two hating. <laughs> right, because I guess you go back for the full, the full, you know, eighteen holes, and think this is a lot yes. different from the from the out and back course. I'm interested. What, what piqued you? What what made you? Because I mean, you know, your your fastest Kepler is five fifteen. Yep. Okay. How do you go from being, you know, at your your own, you know, sedentary 
you know, cricket guy, cool, and then to running yeah. a five fifty. What was the what was the switch? Um, uh, uh, <laughs> uh, never wanting to um, settle where you are in in life, and that like carries on through like work and always learning, always wanting to do better, always seeing. Um, can I be better? Can I be better? Like like many of us do. Um, I mean, the the whether whether you're trying to improve from this is where I've been at Bodle um, with um, oh, I forget the name of the charity, but it's the most improved um, Kepler. Um, good planets are um, hard to find. Don't blow it. Robina Bodle's the charity um, where, where you can improve from 11 hours to 10 hours to it, it's the same. It doesn't matter what level you're running at. It, it, it's the same motivation. Um, but uh, no, I was always just wanting to, can I internally do better um, in, inside myself? Um, and, and then as a family, what it was meaning to us as, as, as a family would, would go down originally when the, when the kids were really little, we'd all go there, we'd camp, there for three four days or something um we'd go walk to, walk afterwards and uh go look at the takahe down at the um at the far end so that was really cool now it's takahe now down at um at, at Orisburn. that was amazing that was so cool to hear that um no so as a family and the kids were there and, and the kids were involved and then um Anne's been involved and wanted to do things, and she's gone and done her own things, and so it's just a lifestyle. The family bought into it. It's never. I've been really lucky. Anne's super supportive, and I've been able to choose to go and do um, really amazing things, really hard things, um, and have the time to do it. But it's a lifestyle. It's become a life. It's it's our. It's not just my life. It is uh, our life. So it became like a, a tradition, a, it's a family, yeah, uh, it's family thing, and, and, and that brings memories as It well. does. I have not worked the first Friday in December or the last Friday in November, um, the first Friday in December since 2004. So even even the cancel, even the just cancelled one, I, I, I couldn't bring myself to work. So I haven't I haven't worked, um, yeah, that since 2004, I haven't worked the first Friday in December. I remember that more. Yeah, just locked in. Yep. Just getting back to Matt's question, though, what was it that made you? I mean, because you can you can just keep trundling along to to Kepler and you know back of the pack or middle of the pack, but you, you know, you achieved massive improvement, and you know we're up with the fast guys. How how did you do that? What was that change that Matt was alluding to? That, that's hard it took a long time it actually took a long so that fast one that 550 I was 39 it was my seventh one and it was half an hour quicker than my previous quickest so the, and I'd, I'd improved seven years in a row um, and oh, I'm trying to that was a long time ago now because then I got injured and now I'm like growing fat again and I'm like, I wish I knew how I could run that fast um, I, I, I just had a look just before you guys chatted I had a look back at the diary I ran f- the the previous five years so five years I, I did the hard work I, I averaged in the 10 weeks leading up to the Kepler I averaged 100 k's a week and and that wasn't a flat 100 100k 
it was um, I worked out that I live up the top of the hill in Dunedin and I worked out at Invermay and so I was doing maybe um, 18 k's a day um, running to and from work and so for those five years the 10 the 10 weeks before the Kepler um, I, was, I was 100 k hard work and that was it hard work and and then the other thing like and and then doing I never coached self coached well no never not even self coached um, joined athletics clubs and so doing the speed work doing the fifteen hundred meters doing the eight hundred meters doing the five thousand meters doing the three thousand meters running hard running fast um, and and learning um, and so I think probably the one thing I learnt about me. I, I learned what I could handle. Um, yeah, I, I, I learned what I could handle. And then learned things about the track and knew when to do things. It's interesting, isn't it? It seems th- this, is, this was my fifth one. Um, and this is the first time where, like you say, you learn things about the track. This is the first one where I thought, I know where I am. I know what this place is. I know what to expect here. Um, I remember yep. I went through Big Slip and I told a guy um, about Takahe. I got really excited about it. He just looked at me. He's like, I don't care about stupid bird. Like he well, was, I was pumped on that. I was, yeah, looking. I, was, I was looking. I was looking. So was I. Um, you know, not much of a chance of seeing such a tiny bird in such a big slip. But it was the first time where I thought, I know, you know, especially that last 10 kilometers, I was like, I know where I am. And, and that was... Yes. That was so. Um, that was so useful. What do you reckon a sweet spot is for for you know peak peak Kepler knowledge? <laughs> peak peak Kepler knowledge. A being a nerd. <laughs> <laughs> pretty much, pretty much that. Oh, um, peak peak Kepler knowledge. Five. Yeah, five. You know. Yeah, five. Because you know that when you exit Rocky Point, you've got the creek immediately in front of you. You can have a wash, and then there's a walk. You know that prior, just prior to that, you know that as soon as you leave Iris Burn, there's no point in hammering it because 300 metres later, you've got a three-minute climb up a hill. Um, you know that when you leave um, Rainbow Reach, it's kind of undulating, but then you've got a couple of climbs. Uh, but then you come out, and then you know you get to the 5K. Like, yeah, you, yeah, you, you don't you, you don't forget where the thing, you don't forget where, oh, bugger, I forgot about that climb. No, you know they're there. You know, you know that the section, Dan Jones, when Dan Jones spoke, and, oh, no, it was um, Brody, Brody said, race starts from, uh, race starts from Orisburn. Sorry, no, no, Brody. Sorry, I'm not going to badmouth you. Sorry, Brody. No, the race starts after Motorel. After Motorel. After you've run a marathon. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's really interesting to me that all those points that you mentioned were in that moment after you come off the mountain. So, how do you approach? What's the secret to? Oh, I guess you don't want to give away secrets, but um, you know, how do you deal with? Getting over the mountain. Oh, you walk up the hill. Like seriously, you walk up the hill. Um, 
I that that five the fight right. So we'll go to the fast one. The fight the five fifty. I would have run seventy five percent of the uphill. Not much. Like so, Dan Dan Jones can run the whole lot. Um, when I when I wrote that article, the article that Kepler my way, um, I I said in it, you're not um, John O'Wyatt. Don't run the uphill. John O'Wyatt read it. <laughs> So we made an amendment. No, it's okay, John. you can run it. So Dan Jones, same boat. Dan Jones can run it. But if you're um, when, when you're down at the five-hour level, yes, you're running the whole thing. At the six-hour level, you should still be walking some of the uphills. And if you're at the seven-hour level, um, you should be walking about at least 50% of the uphill. And any more than that, you should be walking 100% of the uphill because uh, you're – you're just not running for you. You walk. You're running and walking at the same speed, and and running. Uh, obviously, taxes takes more energy, so you're burning. You're burning more. I mean, so this time round, I mean, I, it was like a real pleasure to run with you, Eugene. Well, actually, most of it was we were walking uphill. We were walking yeah. uphill, and you were um, just over eight, and I was just under eight. And I walked 75% of the hill, 80% of the hill, maybe even 90. Mm. You just shouldn't be running. Mm. Yeah, yeah. It's, and it's, it is interesting, isn't it, when, you, when you're walking and you're walking past people who are running yeah. and you're thinking, yes. what are you doing? All right. <laughs> it's really oh. – the Kepler's, but the, the, like the the hills kind of define where you'll start walking and running and things, but I've always gone into a lot of the things that I do and, and broken them down, and it's like, what am I going to do in the last third? And probably the most telling of that was when I ran at the World Twenty Four Hour Champs, and I went in with a strategy of of a run walk strategy. And it paid off, almost. <laughs> it, it paid off. Um, so I, w- I went in with that one. I think, what did I do there? I can't remember. It was like a 2K. I'd run 2K, run 2K, walk walk 400, something like that. Some Anyway, that, that's that's the basis of a strategy. Walk 2K, run 2K, walk 400 metres, because you can do that. Now, in the first eight hours... Because I ran the first 2K, I was in the whatever place in the field, and then I started walking, and then ran, then walked, and I slowly went backwards through the through the men's field. There was 150 men in the field. After eight hours, I was in 81st place. I didn't do anything different. In the next eight hours, I slowly moved up the field to 46th because I was still run, walk, run, walk, run, walk, and I was able to maintain a better average than 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 just running i'd love to get inside andrew mcdowell's head and talk to him about this and stuff i know you've had jamie uh um jamie hawker on as well and scotty was um training his dad but they rang me eventually and i got jamie to um to do the run walk strategy and things, and he busted out at the age of sixty plus. Can't remember how old he was at the time. Around like one hundred and ninety-two k's in a twenty-four hour race. 
And wow. Matt, I knew you were doing it last year as well. I, was, I wanted to. What were you going to do? What were you going to do, Matt? Oh, it was. It was oh, it was me. your gene. It was your gene. Right. What yeah. were you going to yeah. do? What yeah. were you going to do? I had a. I had a. I had a run walk. Three one. Three Absolutely. laps. One. Three. Three one. Uh, it was time based, so I was going to go. Um, I can't remember now actually, but Kai Bretz, who we had on yep. the show, he did a run walk strategy, came eleventh in the world. Yes. So, oh, for the Australian guy. Yeah, so yeah. Barry Loveday um, from Australia as well. He ran two sixty something. He had a three speed strategy, so he had a fast run, a slow run, and the walk, and he did it from the start. John Piers, who um, I've got his singlet, Welsh singlet, in in my drawer here. He won Commonwealth Champs and he ran 250-odd at World Champs. Same thing, run-walk strategy. Beyond that, you've actually got to start running a whole lot more. And you just lengthen the run, yeah. but you put your brake in and, and things. But it's not it's believing in yourself and understanding inside yourself what your limitations are um, and, and setting a goal and, and things. I mean, you can... You can um, Jim Wormsley it and go balls to the wall, but he, that's Jim Wormsley. He's like that's that's a yeah. and an Anton Krupitschka. They like Anton was the same, and he would um, and the Skaggs brothers at Hard Rock and things, and and they would go in with no limits and run hard. But they are world class, top end athletes. They're not some fat bloke from Dunedin. You've. Yeah, so it came from internally and understanding myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the other thing, and I saw this in evidence, uh, and although you say you were going slow, your downhill <laughs> uh, skills were astonishing and a thing to behold. They were beautiful. When, you know, does, is that something that came naturally to you or was that something you had to work on? Yes, both. Yeah, both. Semi, semi-natural and... Um, uh, yeah, no, I worked when I when I did first start. So back in two thousand and four, um, living in Dunedin, live on the hills. We've got Flagstaff um, just in behind me. Literally, I'm um, a kilometre, and I could do a hundred k um, in the hills and trails, and and never 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 cross a road again. And it's rough, rough as guts. So I was always in the rough stuff, um, and. It was always, I always felt um, it was a hand-eye coordination thing, a proprioception. Dan Jones talked about it um, last week. Uh, people were asking him about his um, road shoes, and he said when it comes down to it, you just put your foot down and keep going through it, and it's a learned, that is, that's a learned, partly a learned behaviour. Um, but I rolled my ankles. Um, I rolled them a lot. In the first two years, um, I rolled them a lot. Um, and now they are bulletproof. Um, I pretty much can't roll roll my ankle. So it was it was a partially learned behaviour. Um, and the run that I had to work out to Invermay had a 300 metre vertical, three kilometre downhill, um, and the middle of it was rough. And I got trained for it um, once a, once a month maybe. I, I would do it hard. I would I would go hard hard and fast and 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 train and yeah no like I yeah, I'm quite good at downhill. Yep, quite good at downhill. 
the downhill is something that catches a lot of people up out at Kepler, isn't it? Because it's 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 kind of that that false cherry on the top of your Sunday. You're like, I've done the hard work now. It's all over. I get to Iris Burn and everyone tells me it's flat. In fact, the race starts at Iris Burn and uh, no, Rocky, <laughs> no motorrail. I know, Martin Luke's, <laughs> Martin Luke's motorrail. I mean. That's just, I mean, that's something we know is that I, I want to talk to you about um, making the leap from, at, at what point on your Kepler journey, so you get to like seven Keplers, you're 5.15, you know, then you talked about just cash that you... Jesus, 5.15, oh yes please. <laughs> you did the, um, yep. when did you start to branch out into doing other things like ending up, you know, I know that you've ended up at the world you know, 24-hour champs, you've done Barclay marathons, um, you know, you've done a whole lot of other things like that, row gains, where did it, where did it, when did it start to branch out? Um, oh, so along with the, along with the endurance, like the fascination with um, endurance, I've always had a massive fascination with maps. Um, but I didn't get actively involved in those sports when I when I was a kid. Didn't do it. Um, so I started the running in 2004. 2009, we had World Row Game Champs in, they were in Cheviot, North Canterbury, and Rob Jarvis and I did those and and did, did pretty well there. Um, and then he and I went to uh, the the world champs when they were in sorry that was 2010 and we went to the world champs and they were in the czech republic um and we went to win not probably not overall uh we went to win vet men's um and we lost and we lost by uh and we we, we took it seriously we trained hard we were doing, i did that was when i did my only 100 100 mile weeks um we lost by 30 seconds per hour so for those like for those Roganing who like coming to it you collect points and the and the goal is to collect um, try and collect the highest value um, not necessarily collect the most checkpoints but to collect the highest value and yeah we lost by if we'd had 15 more minutes so 30 seconds per hour we'd have won Vetmen's world title and so then I started getting really serious about orienteering and the works and like got involved in administration. Ah, <laughs> went all in. And now you're you're the bo- you're the boss. You're the honcho. Uh, I am the president of the International Rogaining Federation. Yes, the the world organisation for um, twenty four hour adult hide and seek. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Well, what tell for people who don't know Rogaine, they might have heard the word. Uh, you know, they maybe wonder if it's the same as orienteering. They wonder if it's a, if it's like trail running with maps. Well, can you explain yes. what Rogaining right. is? And I can. I'll try and put it in. Right. So Rogaining to orienteering is like trail running to track running. So that's the equivalent. Now, orienteering is fine, precise 
exact, specific, and uh, very rule-bound, uh, and you go from A to B to C to D. Um, there are very strict rules, limitations, regulations, map, all those things. Rogaining is, um, is, is the equivalent of um, trail running and, and long-distance trail running. Um, invented by, kind of invented by um, some Australians. I can never remember their names, and I should. Uh, I can never remember the RO name, but it's then Gail and Neil Phillips. So it might be Roger, because it's RO, <laughs> uh, or Robert. Um, Gail and Neil Phillips, and that's that's the Rogaine. It was way before the hair care product. Um, and you get a map handed out to you and it has various points on it of differing value and there are so many points that you can't get them all in the given time so you try and get the highest value so it's um it's an old people sport there's when when, and when i say old people i just mean it's it's a sport for experience because it's very much more the mind i can at the age of 50, and I'm not as fit as I used to be, I would back myself against anybody 35 and under. I'd wow. Not quite down. So I wouldn't about, back myself against strategy. Vernon Jones. But mostly. <laughs> I'd like, I'd mostly. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's about yes. strategy as well as speed. 100% about what it's about. Oh, 90% strategy. So Martin mm-hmm. Lukes won, obviously won, uh, he won three Keplers. Um, he and I eventually ended up being Rogaine teammates. And he, like, he, I think he, I think he told one of the stories. He may not have told the story, but he's always very embarrassed how I give him a hiding at the end of, I flog him at the end of 12 or 24 hours. So, there's there's more yeah there's more to it um it's not just not just a speed thing i'd still be um like i finished where did i finish in the kepler 120 something rather i would be all but the top 10 at the kepler in a row game still Mm. so with the strategy and the knowledge and yes smarts and i mean i'm picking up you know, cricket is a strategic game. Yeah, all those things. Your, your, your. You know, your background is 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 in maths, or your career is in uh, maths. Yeah, kind of. Um, <laughs> you love numbers, ha? <laughs> kind of. Yeah. Statistics and uh, so you. Where does that come from? Uh, or, or, or hard to say. Or hard to say. I was always interested in the physical sciences, um, and and the yeah that I mean. I don't know. Like, where's no? This is being a nerd. I think this is being a nerd. It's <laughs> just being a nerd. <laughs> yeah, no, straight out, just a nerd. Dad's dad's really analytical. Dad dad's very analytical, but um, yeah. And Simon, my brother Simon's a businessman. He's um, he owns Signature Homes and Nelson. Um, yeah, no, just hanging out with yeah. Nerds. <laughs> <laughs> Orienteer, orienteering and rogaining. 
disproportionate number of engineers. Disproportionate. <laughs> if you if you know an engineer, they've probably done rogaining. If you've done rogaining, you probably know an engineer. Same with an orienteering. I mean, yeah, orienteering. Disproportionate number. It's it's so interesting, isn't it? I did one six-hour rogaine and enjoyed enjoyed the hell out of it. Actually, it was fantastic. Um, but I remember being a lot more tired. It was a team event, decent shape, you know, enthusiastic amateur in decent shape. Um, Six-hour row gain. And I remember being so much more tired than ever running that distance before because I was thinking the whole time. You know, we were thinking, like, if we go here, and and I had the local knowledge because it was in Riverhead. It's like, I know if we just, you know, and I'm very... Yeah. I'm a feelings guy. I'm no good with maps, you know. Um, yeah. <laughs> despite what Holly Weston would have you believe, um, <laughs> but I, like, I was wrecked, and I just thought, how? Because it is. It's 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 thinking. It's it's doing the math and adding up. And if we we could go here, but we could go here as well. How how did that um, how did that 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 sort of level of engagement and preparation? How did that prepare you for Barclay marathons oh Barclay we'll get to Barclay yeah so <laughs> yeah, yeah yes so uh, like all right we'll, we'll, yeah we'll go to Barclay <laughs> let's go to Barclay let's how did you or, or first, even first, re- first, take- first rule of Barclay you don't talk about Barclay <laughs> and you've had Katie on <laughs> and I know Greg and I know Greg declined you <laughs> three times yep I know three times <laughs> Very politely, but very like, I am not going on. I feel it's almost. Shout out to shout out to Steve Tripp across the cargo. That's one beer, Steve. Intervents. That's two beers, Steve. Um, when they 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 got me on, they got me on for one, and I I deadpan them. I won't deadpan you. <laughs> I feel we're honour bound to ask Greg every time he does something. Now, even though we know he won't come on. It just yep. just honor compels us to do it. It's uh, yeah. But please look. Tell I mean, whatever possessed you. Um, again, it's like odd. So I did Barclay in 2015. I was the first New Zealander to go to Barclay. Um, I'd known about it for 10 years. So this is all pre-movie. All pre- the movie was shot in 2014 and came out late 2015. So after I'd been there. Again, it's just I knew that it was possibly an end goal. I don't know. Uh, I don't know about it being an end goal, but um, it was always there. It was always that at, at back then that was at the um, edge of different things to do. Way back then, so I, I'd so yeah, I'd known about it right from the beginning. I started the the Kepler thing in two thousand and four. I'd known about Barclays since about two thousand and five, and had been following it since back then, working out all the bits and pieces, and um, developed a bunch of skills and broke it down. Like I, I, I had the maps. I knew where I, I knew where the books mostly were. I knew, yeah, I, yeah, I knew what I was getting into. Um, yeah. And so you, I mean, there's that whole mystery around getting into it, which even 
I mean, I imagine it would have been even a bigger mystery back then. So how how long did it, without, I mean, again, without giving away any secrets, how long did it take you to actually get there? Barclay's actually really easy to get into. Like, <laughs> legit easy. I got in the first time. I got in the second time. I got in the third and fourth times that I've applied for it. Um, Greg got in the first time that he applied for it. Greg got in the second time he applied for it. Katie got in the first time she applied for it. That's not hard to get into the Barclay. Do you have to be now, on Laz's radar? I'll leave it at that. <laughs> Sorry? <laughs> I guess, do you have to be in, on Laz's, I guess, on his radar, though? You know, Katie, Katie got into Barclay first time. Sure, she, he, Laz, knew who Katie Ray was. There you go. Yeah. So all you have uh, to do... Uh, it's kind of like, what, uh, what's it? Uh, um, what's, um, I'm trying to think of a, a, a New Zealand colloquial... Yeah, don't, don't be a dick, basically. Just don't be a dick. Um, I, I got in, so I had credentials. At the time, um, I had credentials. Um, it was when I was running quite well. Um, Laz is a big fan of 24 hours, and I had a 220 at the 220 kilometers under my belt at the world champs um i'd done a few other like i'd run northburn quite well and a couple of people who had been to barclay had been at northburn and i'd performed equally or better than them um i had two top 10 finishes at the world rogaine champs so i knew how to navigate i told him all those things but the clincher was he didn't have a new zealand license plate <laughs> <laughs> and, it was, and I knew he didn't have one. And I knew, like, deep down, I knew that, that was what was going to get me in. <laughs> he didn't have a New Zealand license plate. It's, it's, and I, sorry. So it's not hard to get in. It's not hard to get in. It, it, I guess it's this, I mean, it's interesting, isn't it? The, like you say, that Barclay had been going on for, oh, 15 more than 15 years, hey, before the no, movie. 30, yeah, 30, 30 something. Yeah, 30, about the same as Kepler, actually, I think. Right. About the same. So it's been going for a long time. It's interesting the seismic kind of seismic upheaval it's had on the sport, which has in turn led to this, you know, phenomena that, that's gripping that's gripping our kind of community at the moment, which is the the backyard. What, what, do, you, yeah, what do you make of cool. those? Yeah, they're cool. I think, yeah, they're cool because they're, they're accessible to everyone um, and allow people to do what the Barclay was doing and dig down, um, but in a more natural way, um, dig down deep inside um, and inside everybody and find out who you are as a runner and um, or as an athlete. Um, and do those things that Laz really Laz, Laz just had this massive passion for wanting to um, put opportunities in front of people to really test themselves and that's sadly what doesn't actually happen with Barclay people go there, they, they just don't have the skills they don't belong, they're going to get kicked out F physically and mentally they're not going to get anywhere near their limits um, because they can't even finish one loop which is less than um, 12, 13 hours or something. It's not particularly physically. The, the, the loop itself, one loop, is pretty easy. It is genuinely quite easy um, from a New Zealand scheme of things. 
but yeah, no, come to a backyard, and I think um, they they find out about people. Sam Harvey looks like Sam. I mean, the things Sam Harvey turns up. You know, Sam Harvey's going to be in the last two. He, you know, he's doing. You know, you're good for thirty hours, or or when he gets the right opponent and the right conditions, you know, you're good for two days. Um. Yeah, they, they, and, and everybody can enter. Everybody can find out. Everybody can go and dig deep, um, and find out if they want to dig deep. Because six point seven one three one one four kilometers per hour is a piece of cake, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> yeah. You know that cool. <sighs> um. <laughs> What so? What did you find out about yourself at Barclay? What was it, what was it like actually getting there after dreaming I quit, of it? I quit. <laughs> I quit. Um, now I found out I wasn't going to be able to finish, so I quit. Which is like I found out that I wasn't weak enough. No, no, sorry, that I was too weak to then um, go and get intermediate goals because I didn't have intermediate goals. Eastern Tennessee is amazing. Like I feel really privileged that. Um, I got to go there before the movie, before the explosion, before there was media there, but it was still low-key. It was fun. It was cool. Johan Steen, who's done well in the backyards, he was there. Um, We chatted a bit and did stuff. Jamil turns up. He, He was there, turned up late in the day. It was John Kelly's first one. And John Kelly, um, when we're on the list, John Kelly, local, he was like just the, as he comes across, he is that guy. Just the lovely local guy would go out of his way. Um, uh, Jody Eisenhower from Nova Scotia. Yeah, anyway, it was lovely. So the, those people were lovely. I got to spend time with Keith Dunn. Those were things that I appreciated. Got to more that. I never really got to speak to Laz because everybody's, on, on last, but Keith Dunn and Mike Dobies, um, nobody knows who Mike Dobies is. Go Google Mike Dobies one day. Got to spend a lot of time with Mike, and he's a, he did a lot of stats and statistician, so we had, we had a lot of time, and I got to talk politics with um, Keith Dunn. He works in the Pentagon. He's a lawyer in the Pentagon, so that was fun. All, all those things. I got, and um, I, those things, and then just Eastern Tennessee, um, itself is just um, going to a different part of the world. It, it is a beautiful place. Frozen Head is incredibly beautiful. It is a stark, naked, in, in, um, in spring, just before everything comes back to life, it is stark, naked, grey, brown, beautiful rock feature. It, it's an incredibly beautiful place. And the history, I, yeah, the history is amazing. It was cool. It was very cool. It's so interesting, isn't it? All those names that you, you, you talk about and some are very storied. I think about like this year's, um, you know, virtual backyard championships and you say, you know, Sam Harvey, he turns up, he turns up at relapse the first year. He He's perhaps not read the small print. He thinks that he's getting a plane ticket to Tennessee to see his missus. He's not. Yes. He gets a gold ticket to go to Tennessee to see his missus. Um 
and and you know then he goes on to just think he was getting a plane ride i think he did i think he did <laughs> sorry it, Sam. It, i mean sorry sammy i mean correct me he, he'll message me when he hears this uh and i say that with all respect and love to the man um but you know he goes on to then sort of dominate 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 yep. and and yep. and you know with his swagger but then i think about you know scott Belgian, a man who is a owns his own business young family you know up until recently was pottering around riverhead happy as he please um helps put on you know helps put on our race riverhead rampages in the race committee just a real advocate for the community came into the team as a reserve because other people you know were doing other things and then comes out and just bashes out 300 kilometers and i'm convinced he stopped because he knew he had to he was at work the next morning because he owns his own business yeah like that's you what say back, yeah that's what's so cool about backyards like anything can happen anything can come and katie was exactly the same katie's slower than a wet week and i know katie <laughs> and i'm helping katie do things katie's slower than a wet week but she can bust out two days yeah, well, that, and, and and that's the thing, isn't it? You see her kind of in in that space, and I've I've been on the finish line when she finished the hundred mile. Well, I was on the finish when she finished the the first um, the first relapse, and 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 you, she came out of nowhere, um, mm. and she looked completely composed. Then she was like, "Oh goodness me," I've, you know, and then at Tarawera she came over like. Um, two cats trapped inside a wet sack and <laughs> poles everywhere and rolling around on the ground and did again at UTA came over the finish line. Hey, huge in a hot, just this state, but you get the sense that what's driving her is just that will to, that she knows she can do it. You know, she can yes. put herself in the hurt box and then just close the lid. Yeah. So there's this balance between knowing you can do stuff and actually being able to back that up. And like actually knowing that you can do stuff, not just I can do that. And it's like, well, being being honest, being honest with yourself. And mm. she can. Yeah. What is that? And Matt and I had conversations post Kepler where uh, I was not not uh, I was kind of pondering the question. What is it that makes the difference between, you know, you can do all the training in the world that you like, you can have all these goals that you like, but at some point there's something else that comes into the equation that makes the difference. And you've got it. People like Katie have got it. What is it? I yeah, can't I'm, figure I'm it out. Gonna, I, I can't. I, I don't think I can either because you guys are pretty similar. You guys are pretty honest. I mean, you guys are sharing yourselves every week for four years now um, and, and sharing your, your – you're probably better examples of it that internally you know um, what your abilities are um, and, and how they relate. A lot, of my, a lot of my internal stuff was related to um, – I knew how every like I knew how say a five k related to a ten k and how ten k relate and so I I kind of looked at those. I kind of looked at some of those steps and I was like, well, if I if I want to do this, then I've got to do that. But then you get to like the day long stuff. I, 
I actually don't know, but I knew that if something was a day long, so like Northburn, um, I knew that if I lined up at something that was a day long, I'd beat most people. But I, I actually don't know. I just knew that I would. I, 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 mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Coming back to that World 24-Hour Champs, it's really embarrassing to be walking after um, 10 minutes and you're at the World Champs and you're wearing a, um, a black singlet that you had to go and buy in a shop because Athletics New Zealand didn't provide you one. <laughs> but anyway, it's really embarrassing to walk, to be walking after 10 minutes at the World Champs. But internally, I knew that was the right the right thing to do. So there's... Um, I know it was like when I played cricket. I knew I was a pretty crap cricket player, but I was good enough to be playing with all these other other people. Um, and so I worked to do the best that I could within my limitations. Right. So it's almost like a logic. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's self-belief, but you, but you're Just, kind yeah, of... Yeah, but there's, there's self... Logic, yeah, this, logicking yeah, your way out of yes, it. Yes, I logicked my way. Yeah, I logicked my way out of it. Um, there is definitely a self belief, but you have to be able to reason and logic your way out of it. I mean, unfortunately, I ran the. There was a, there was a bloke we were running between Rocky Point and Motorrail, and uh, he'd been in his twenties or something. He said he started out. He thought he was going to break six hours, and we were we were sitting on the eight hour button and. He hadn't blown up. He wasn't blown up. He's just he his goal was vastly different to his ability um, at the time. He may well mm-hmm. go and run a six hour in, in, in future years, but currently his his ability and his internal self awareness of what his abilities were were absent. But that hopefully, I mean, and. That, that was just one this year. It, it happens every. It happens every year. I, there, there was another bloke. Um, he, he may have been doing one of the wild guided runs the other day, that I was supposed to be at, and um, he wanted to run five thirty. And I said to him, "No, you can. You you can't run five thirty. And unfortunately, that offends some people. <laughs> um, but it's like that's the reality because you're not capable of it. You can't run fast enough. But the, and I, I wonder, Matt. It's interesting, isn't it? Like you think about, we wrap, we wrap so much of ourselves up in this sport, and, and and for right reasons. It's the sport we love. It's the community we love, and it's the it's that sense of, you know, you say you don't know, and I know you're a st- statistician, but it's that, almost that sense of the ineffable way. We yeah, can't so it's logical to me it's, as a statistician. It's logical to me <laughs> to break. Oh, no, to but break it's that down. sense also. Yeah. Yeah. But I wonder also, you know, we think about how much energy we have and where we attribute, where we attribute things. Like there's that genetic thing, like, yeah, you couldn't run 5.30. Shape of your, like, I think about myself, shape of my life. Got into the shape of my life. Couldn't do a 5.30 Kepler. But there's that other, I wonder about other, other parts where you, where the unconscious or conscious thing is, how come I can do other things? in say a professional space or another space which is at a level where you'd think you know and all of us have different levels of things i wonder what 
I wonder if there's a tap I can turn on in my brain that can draw some of that from there and, and maybe put it to there. I don't know. Oh, yeah. I, I think I know what you're saying. Like, so in my, in my view, my success and like success, like at national level or world, whatever, it seems to have manifested itself in running for a day. It's like, oh, God damn it, that doesn't make money. <laughs> why, can't, why can't it manifest itself in owning signature homes like my brother <laughs> and Nelson? <laughs> why, can't, why can't it manifest itself in that? Um, oh, look, I don't know. Um, we're all, I think everybody's, look, it's, a, oh, it's stats. Everybody's a bell curve. Everybody has, has, has variations. And as long as we're looking to go to the right side of the bell curve, all good. doesn't matter what you're doing. Who cares? Who cares what you're doing? As long as you're trying to improve, who cares? Uh, I don't know. Uh, it's <laughs> very running, interesting. Got, you, you put me into run, yeah, in, that, in that running box, and I seem to understand that one, and I don't know why. No, no, I, I don't mean to put you into a box, obviously, because there's there's so much there's 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 different components to all of us. But it's it's so. I think particularly though, Kepler, like Eugene and I both had a moment, and I remember talking to another chap, Will Will Wadhams from Sydney, and he said, you know, I was having the run of me life, boys, and I looked down at me watch, you know, and for me it was fifty point six eight kilometers. I thought, you know, as sick as I was, and as shit as I felt, I was like. I'm going to finish this and that's fine. You know, and it was, at that point it was actually, it was brilliant because I had no, every expectation I had went out the window. I thought this is what I'm faced with and I'm going to do it. But 50.68 kilometers felt like it went on for a very long time. There's parts of that race that just seem to drag out. Hey, you look, look at your watch. Why haven't I, why haven't I moved? Am yeah. I having an out of body experience? I, oh, I out of know, body experience. Oh, out of body experience. I legit, sorry, break away from the Kepler. Um, I in in one of the twenty four hour races that I did, and um, it was two three a.m. in the morning. We're running down a side street in in Breviac Gaillard in in France, and all of a sudden there's four of me. Four. There's the physical me running down the street, and then on one shoulder is the good me or one an, another me going keep going this is all good keep going and then there's the other me on the other shoulder and they were literally on my shoulders and the other one going no stop you just have a break have a rest and then there was me in behind the actual me the the cog, cognizant me going would you two sort out what he is going to do <laughs> But yeah, you get like time stops. There are places where time stops. And yeah, oh, that was funny. Wow. Like, it's the only one I've ever had in any. You know, I've done a lot of twenty-four hour um, things now um, of various kinds, and this is it's as clear as day. Four parts of me. Yeah, clear as day. Wow. I mean that's beyond that's beyond it, what, hallucination. No, it wasn't a hallucination, it? The, like not even a hallucination. Didn't yeah. see anything. Just four parts of me broke out. I, I know exactly where it was. I could walk to the exact spot today. I know. Yep. What was said? 
That was 2010, 12 years ago. Wow. How long did that um, go on for? So the the section of road street was only one or 200 metres long, and it was in that. Um, So we're we're talking seconds. But the whole conversation, um, like as as Matt was saying with the Kepler, the time stops in, in a piece of place, and it's like how did... And then there'll be another bit, and it's like, I don't remember running that last section. Yeah. Who who won? Um, Bad, Bad Matt, Matt won. Good Matt? Bad Matt. I'm pretty sure Bad Matt won, because in the last eight hours of the race, um, I, kept, I kept stopping and trying to have a pause and things, and didn't improve my position. <laughs> so, Bad Matt. <laughs> Wow, you really delaminated there, didn't you? It's, oh, yeah. Uh... Oh, yeah. <laughs> right, completely. Completely. And I've, I've never hallucinated on anything. I've never seen trees. I haven't seen cactuses. I haven't seen people rolling bushes. Nothing. Wow. It's almost like you had a... a you know, people talk about a, a, a sort of these dissociative episodes. And, and I, mean, I mean... Yeah, well, you work in mental health. <laughs> Oh yeah, no, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, exactly. It's, like that—that—that—that's that. I've—I've I've had yeah. a full dissociative experience. Yep, absolutely, hundred percent. And and what a um, and I don't mean to be kind of coy. What a gift, eh? Like to experience that. Like you got yes. to see that part. Yeah, no, Just, uh, definitely a learning process. Like, like, I took that and learned. I went and did a. I, I went to Wales the next year for the Commonwealth 24-hour Championships, and um, had learnt from that and knew what I was going to do when that happened. Yeah, and that's and that's the thing, isn't it? Knowledge, you you know, you you have that awareness at this point that you know, good Matt and bad Matt are going to turn up, and then <laughs> overall Matt's in the background there. Oh, pretty funny. Oh, oh, so good, so good. Look. Matt Bixley, I, I'm stoked to ask you this question, man. You know, first off, thank you for coming on Dirt Church Radio. It's it's been an honour. Um, and secondly, Matt, what's been your greatest run ever? <laughs> oh, like I could, I could, like I mean, the Kepler's so um, special to me. But and I've and I've had one of them is probably one of my greatest run ever. And then like I've got a ten thousand meters on the track that I always think of is actually, and I always thought, if they ever get me on, I'll use the, because I got in, you know how you always chase flow in a run? Like, I, it was the Otago Masters 10,000 metres, and we got on a flow and ran in a flow. But no, so we've got a series, we used to have a series here in Dunedin, the Dunedin Winter Multisport um, Series, and they're in the winter, and it'll be five bucks, and you'd get a sausage afterwards, but it was the it was the bloody world champs. There was there was only ten people turn up, maybe fifteen people turn up, and it was um, uh, Dougal Allen, uh, Matty Graham, Jim Cotter, who uh, would race with um, uh, Steve Gurney, coast to coast, and has done did most of the Southern Traverses, etc. Chris Bisley, uh, Chris Bisley and I, we would do the you guys aren't real multi-sporters race because we, we couldn't paddle. So, so we, we would do an extra run. Um, 
and and so it's not one the greatest run ever. Oh, and there was another guy, Norman Dunroy, an English semi-professional, um, like bike rider and stuff. And so you turn up in this race, and it's like ten people in it, and you've probably biked thirty k in the snow, literally in the snow in Dunedin, and then you'd go and paddle, bike, run out on the harbour. And one year, Chris and I, I just we Chris and I, we were getting flogged and, and running back down um, from Harbour Cone or something and just going hammer and tongs through the country and it might have been snow, I don't know. Like this winter multi-sport series, um, that's what's, when you asked earlier, that's what sparked my adventuring. I learnt a lot of stuff and that's what sparked the adventure. Mm. And just, I mean, that whole yes. it comes back to community, doesn't it? And yep, the people yep. you surround yourself yep. with. And and we're all just we're all just out there having fun. It was just fun. Mm. Mm. And wasn't it interesting, Matt, hearing Matt Raymond hearing um, yeah. Dougal Allen talk yeah, so fondly yeah, of those races as well. They were, they were funny, know. man. Yep. It was like the world. It was yeah. the world championships yeah. in the backyard of Dunedin. Love it, Matt. Thank you so so much. I mean, this feels like part one of uh, we need carry to talk on as a about, series because you um, and I, when we ran and we talked about Roger Elcorn's um, "Tear Along the Dotted Line," I need to rip out my copy, yeah. find my copy of "Tear Along the Dotted Line," and talk about yeah. Ziggy Bauer and talk about um, the yeah. New Brighton Fifty Mile, Gary Rectine, and, um, all those cool things. Yep. Oh well, yeah. yeah, the history well, is amazing. Yeah, oh. yeah, and a feet in the clouds, and the feet, yes. another episode well, on the feet in the clouds. Yeah, feet in the clouds. Yeah, oh, probably yep. the feet in the clouds appreciation <laughs> society here. Richard Esquith. Uh, always want to do the Bob Graham just, round. Um, like, just never had the, never quite had the opportunity. Um, it would have been pretty cool. Um, yeah, one day. Yeah. Hey, thank you so so much. And, Look, uh, it was a yeah, real pleasure. Again, it was a real eh? pleasure to always to catch up in the Kepler, and it was a really real pleasure for me personally to have a bit of a run with you, Eugene. And we'll we'll have to have another run, and we'll get yeah. to talk some more politics. Well, thanks again, Matt. I I didn't bring up fact that the very first thing he said to me at Kepler was wearing a, I was wearing a bucket hat and I went past him stupidly going up the hill and he yelled out hey hey what does your mum say when she, when you borrow a hat for the weekend psychological <laughs> <laughs> like warfare is alive yep. and well absolutely oh. absolutely uh, so always good with the one liners as well as Matt Bixley as well as everything else but uh, yeah thank you so so much for joining us for that we, we're deeply honoured yeah absolutely look yeah thanks again Matt and thank you very much for tuning in we're on social media at Dirt Church Radio you can email us at dirtchurchradio at gmail.com you can find us on all the podcast platforms like and follow if you fancy and you can download direct from the website which is dirtchurchradio.com don't forget to write them with your greatest one ever. We love hearing them. People love hearing them. Um, you can read them on the website and then get a bit inspired and send them into us, dirtchurchradio at gmail.com. 
Thanks to our sponsors, Scott Running, Further Faster, and Cielli. Thank you to our Patreon patrons and Wild Things, and thanks to our editor, Kieran. Stay tuned next week. We've got a really great show lined up. Super special. Matewa. Thanks, Rigby. <laughs>